Emily. Let's take our Bible and go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And if you're here this morning and you're saved, aren't you thankful that God has taken your sins away? It's awesome. You know, as we've been going through the book of Mark, I've really enjoyed it. And I, I, found a, I have found a lot of what we've been learning about really exciting. Uh, and just as we go through the life of Jesus, and, and as Mark, he just goes from one thing right to another, we just see a wonderful picture of who Jesus was, and uh, really who he is. And remember, last week we looked from Mark chapter 1, verse 29 to 39, and we saw how sought out he was. He, he healed that man uh, of that, that demonic possession in the synagogue, and then he goes and he heals Peter's mother-in-law who had a fever. She was burning up and maybe even to the point of uh, dying. And then he had people coming to Peter and Andrew's house, just nonstop, one after another. They, kept, they were carrying people in uh, after dark so that he could heal those people. And he just, I mean, he had to have been tired. He gets a little bit of sleep. And then he goes and he departs and he goes into that deserted place, that solitary place. And he made sure that despite the busyness of life, despite the fact that he could have easily spent uh, hours and hours and hours healing and fixing everybody's problems, he still went away to be with God. And he still took the time to pray. And remember how we talked about, look, if, if our God, if Jesus Christ, if he needed to do that, then how much more do we need to do that? As fallen and sinful men. Now let's go ahead and read Mark chapter 1, verse 40. We'll read down to 45, the end of the chapter. And this is just awesome, what we're going to read today. I'm really excited about uh, what God has for us in the scriptures. Let's look at verse 40 of Mark chapter 1. It says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him. And saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightway, or straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away. And saith unto him, See thou, say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priests, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. I thank you that you sent him to be the propitiation for our sins. I thank you that he bled and died on that cruel cross so that we could be saved. I pray, Lord, that you'll just work in our hearts this morning. Help us to see the beauty of our salvation and really the, the awfulness of our sin and the holiness of God so that we can appreciate what you've given us and what you've done for us. And God, I also pray that this morning, you will convict the hearts of those that are among us that are lost in their sins, that don't know you, that are relying on some other way to God, that you'll just help them to see 
the error of their, of their ways and to see their sinfulness, to see them in the state of what they are and that today will be the day that they get saved and forgiven from sin. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to say exactly what you want me to say. Help me to preach the word. I pray that you'll just uh, uh, don't allow me to say anything that would hinder uh, the truth that needs to be spoken this morning. I pray you'll convict us and challenge us and change our hearts this morning in your holy and precious name. Amen. There are certain events that have happened in history that are viewed as life-altering and life-changing for certain people, right? Uh, sometimes good, sometimes bad. I think of, uh, of course, one of the first things that comes to my mind is 9-11. You remember when the, the Twin Towers were struck and everything that happened there, uh, the people in that city, the people that were affected uh, by uh, those planes crashing into that tower, the people that lost loved ones, their lives would be affected forever. I think of uh, maybe those that were involved in, in the end of the world wars, how when that ended and peace came and, and they did not have to fight anymore, when they could come home, people's lives changed for the better. Uh, they, they could have their loved ones again, those soldiers, they could come home and it would affect them in a good way. I think of 2020. You remember 2020? Anybody in here, right? Uh, March of 2020? When things changed and uh, everything was affected, you had remote learning, you had remote working, you had remote church, right? And all those things, the people's lives changed. And it was hard on a lot of people. And certain events in our world and in our country affect what we do. They affect how we live. But I want you to understand this morning that there is no event in human history that is more impactful in the life of an individual than the event where they meet Jesus Christ. This event changes everything. And this is what we see in our text this morning. We see an encounter with Christ that changed a man's world. And Jesus, he changed this man's life, and he is still capable of changing people's lives today. Where we left off last week, remember, Jesus was very much sought for. People were flocking to him, and they wanted healing. And people came uh, to him from everywhere with many diseases, including people with leprosy, as we see here in Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 45. Now, leprosy was an awful and terrible thing. Leprosy, uh, back in ancient days, in the ancient world, it was the most feared disease out there. It was so awful that those that were, in, were, were afflicted with it, they had to wear distinct clothing. They were cut off from society. They would not be allowed to go make sacrifices in the temple. They could not be with their family and their friends. They were cut off completely. And if they were to approach somebody, uh, maybe a group of people or even anybody out in society, they would have to warn them of their coming due to the fear of spreading leprosy. They would have to yell out, unclean, unclean, so that the people knew a leper is coming. We've got to leave. And Leviticus chapter 13 talks a lot about these things. Let's go there. Go to Leviticus chapter 13. We're going to look at a lot of different things in Leviticus this morning to start off this message. But this speaks to the distinct clothing that these lepers had to wear, and it speaks to the, the fact they had to yell out, unclean, as they were, people were afraid of it spreading. And this, of course, was the Levitical law. And look at Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 45. 
And as we look at this awful disease and what it means, I want you to just imagine being this leper. Just imagine being this leper. How you would feel. What life would be like. Just consider that this morning. Look at Leviticus 13, verse 45. It says, And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare. So there's the distinct clothing. And he shall put a covering upon his upper lips and shall cry, Unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. These verses, and really this chapter, it helps us understand the seriousness of this disease. If it, was, if it spread, it would slowly destroy your body. Along with other historical records, and also, again, Leviticus 13 and 14, uh, it really helps us understand how destructive this disease was. And again, I want you to really think about this this morning, because you need to grasp this. Leprosy would start with a pain. That would lead to numbness. It would lead to nerve damage and loss of feeling in your hands, in your feet, in your nose, in your eyes, and in your ears. And eventually, at some point, all sense of feeling and all sense of pain would go away, which would result in that leper relentlessly rubbing their hands and their feet and their nose and their eyes and their ears to the point that they would essentially rub them off. Skin would lose color. It would turn scaly. And eventually it would turn into sores with oozing ulcers. Loss of fingers and, and loss of toes would eventually occur. Their face would bunch up. Their voice would become hoarse. It wouldn't sound normal. They were seen as a walking corpse. Because their body was slowly deteriorating. And this made for a slow and awful death. It was as if they were dying in slow motion. And because of this, because of how awful leprosy was, the only thing that a leper had to look forward to, in many cases, was actual death. Just so they could end the suffering. And in the disease and the effects of leprosy, I want you to understand very clearly we see a very graphic picture of sin. No doubt, sin is much like leprosy. It is a leprosy of the soul. Leviticus, it gives us details of, of this leprosy, and thereby it gives us a very vivid picture of how awful sin is. Let's look again at Leviticus 13. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3 of Leviticus 13. It says in verse 3, And the priest shall look on the plague in the skin of the flesh. And when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague in sight be deeper than the skin of his flesh, it is the plague of leprosy. And the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean. What do we see here? We see that leprosy goes deeper than the skin. And listen, so does sin. Sin goes deeper than the skin. It reaches the heart. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. It is desperately wicked who can know it. Look at Leviticus chapter 13 verse 5. 
verse 5 says, And the priest shall look on him the seventh day, and behold, if the plague in his sight be at the stay, and the plague spread not in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up seven days more, and the priest shall look on him again the seventh day, and behold, if the plague be somewhat dark, and the plague spread not in the skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean, but it is a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab spread much abroad in the skin, after that he hath been seen of the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen of the priest again. And look what it says. And if the priest see that, behold, the scab spreadeth in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. What do we see here? We see that leprosy spreads. And listen. So does sin. Sin spreads. And it's destructive. We know in 1 Corinthians 5, 5 verse 6, Paul writes, Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? And leaven, of course, is a picture of sin. Sin spreads and it corrupts. Look at, we already looked at Leviticus chapter 13, verse 44 to 46. And what do we see there? We saw that it defiles. Listen, it defiles and it isolates. Those that were uh, struck with leprosy, they had to stay in isolation. They would actually only be allowed to be with other lepers. They could not live in society. So, so leprosy, it defiles and it isolates. And listen, so does sin. It defiles. It isolates. Think of Adam and Eve. What happened? When they ate of that fruit and they knew that they had sinned and they knew that they were naked, did they want to come before God? No, they wanted to hide. They wanted to isolate themselves. They wanted to get away. They were ashamed. Sin defiles and it isolates. Look at Leviticus 13 and verse 51. Verse 51, it says, And he shall look on the plague on the seventh day, if the plague be spread in the garments, in the clothes, right? Either in the warp or in the wolf or in the skin or in any work that is made of skin, the plague is a fretting leprosy, it is unclean. He shall therefore burn that garment, whether warp or wolf, in woolen or in linen or anything of skin wherein the plague is, for it is a fretting leprosy, it shall be burnt in the fire. And what do we see here? We simply see that leprosy renders that which is only fit for the fire. And so it is with sin. As the Bible tells us that uh, those that stay lost in their sin will have their part in the lake which burneth with fire. So as those that were inflicted with leprosy, they were seen basically as dead men walking. And so it is for those that are lost in sin because the Bible tells us that those that are lost in sin, they are dead in trespasses and sins. So people that are lost in their sins, they are like dead men walking. Back then in these times, no man could cure leprosy. And I want you to understand this morning that no man can cure sin. Back in these days, only God could heal leprosy. And today, only God can save us from sin. Truly, leprosy is a picture of of sin. And in our text this morning, we see the power that Jesus Christ holds as he heals this man of leprosy with a single touch. One touch of Jesus Christ brought a total and complete healing. It totally changed this man's life. And today, church, listen, one touch of saving grace, 
one touch of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, it brings us complete and spiritual healing and it brings a completely changed life. It brings complete healing of sin. This morning, I want to ask you a question. Has Christ made you whole? Has Christ forgiven you of your sins? Could you say with certainty, like this leper in Mark chapter 1, Jesus has changed my life? Let's go ahead and dig into our text. Go back to Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Like many passages in the book of Mark, we see the character of Jesus here. His love and compassion that he had for people. He sets a bar for us. That's, it's just incredible. Look at Mark chapter 1 verse 40. It says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me Clean. Listen, this leper, no doubt desperate to be healed of this disease. Again, consider, what would you do if you were this leper? Would you be desperate? He was no doubt desperate to be healed of this disease. And he, what did he do? He disregarded the law and he approached Jesus knowing that he had nothing to lose and everything to gain. And as he came to Jesus, I want you to notice he did not do so with pride. He did not do so with a, an arrogant or egocentric attitude. Nor did he come with a sense of entitlement. He did not come to Jesus with a, a sense of self-worth. He came to him humbly. There's no name it and claim it mindset in this. He wasn't telling Jesus what to do. The Bible tells us that he came to Jesus beseeching him. That means he was begging and he was pleading with him. He came to him desperate and broken. And this is truly the only way a sinner can come to Christ. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 34 tells us that he giveth grace to the lowly. James chapter 4 verse 6 says that he resisteth the proud but giveth grace to the humble. This leper, he knew he had nothing to be proud of. He was no mighty man of valor. He was weak and falling apart. He was in no way attractive, and he would not lure people to him with his appearance. His blotchy skin and his face and his deteriorating body would only repel people. And likewise, our sin-sick soul is in no way attractive. Because of it, we have nothing to be proud of, and we are in no way worthy of anything good. And anybody that has not come to Christ, is spiritually in worse shape than this man was physically. You know, if we were back in these times, each one of us here, we would be terrified if we had leprosy. But even more terrifying is to be lost in our sins. Leprosy was temporal, but the effects of sin is everlasting. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 6. Our sin, knowing what we are, it should bring us to a place of brokenness. It should bring us to a place where we know we are undeserving of anything good. Look at Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to look at a couple places here in Isaiah. Look at verse 3. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3. It says, 
And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And he is holy. Amen. He's holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. Look at verse 4. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This right here shows what our attitude should be about our sin. And let me say that again. This here should show us how our attitude should be about our sin. Not society's sin. Not your neighbor's sin. Your sin. My sin. My sin should bring me grief. It says woe, and that woe is an expression of grief. And Isaiah says that I am undone because of my sin, and that undone means that I am ruined. My sin has ruined me. And when we see the holiness of God as Isaiah, when we, when we consider the holiness of God, we can more easily see the wickedness in ourselves. We are ruined by sin. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 64. Isaiah 64. <clears throat> Isaiah 64. And look at verse 6. A, no, a well-known verse. Isaiah 64 verse 6. It says, notice what it says. But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. It says here, we are all unclean. Unclean just like the leper. Our wicked state, it takes us away from God. And it takes us to judgment. But listen, Christ can make us clean. And you notice there it says all. That means everybody. Everybody is unclean. Everybody is sinful. And by the way, it only takes one sin to ruin and defile us. It doesn't matter if you're here this morning, you're sitting in church, and maybe you seem to have it all together. If you're still lost in sin, I want you to understand this morning that you're just as bad in as just about a state as a drunkard or the drug addict that's given up everything for their addiction. You're in the, in the exact same state as they are because you're lost in your sin and lost is lost no matter how lost you are. We're lost if we're not in Christ. Go to Mark chapter 1 again, please. Mark chapter 1. I love the humility of this leper as he comes and begs him and beseeches Christ. And look what it says. It says, and there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and notice what it says, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. In this leper's humility, he tells Jesus, Hey, I know that you're able to heal me. I know that you have the power to do this if you're willing. This leper knew that Jesus had the power to save him, but he was not sure if he would be willing to. And this mindset 
It's much like the, the mindset of many lost sinners today, maybe even some here today, where they wonder if Jesus would be willing to save them, knowing all the wrong that they've done. Maybe you're here this morning, you think, well, you know what, I've, I've hurt too many people. I've sinned too many times. I've, I've broken God's law. I am a mess. Maybe you think I'm a walking disaster. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, I am too far gone. Hey, listen, if that's what you think this morning, no, you're not too far gone. You're right where you need to be. You're right where you need to be. Christ can save you. And Jesus, he was willing to save this man. And I want you to know this morning, he is willing to save you no matter what state you're in. Look at verse 41. It says, and Jesus moved with compassion. Let me just stop there. Jesus is, uh, Mark is the only one that records the emotion of Jesus in this particular instance. He said he was moved with compassion and put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. <laughs> in the love and compassion of Jesus Christ, for this leper, a man that was rejected by everybody, who was cut off from society, Jesus erased every doubt that he would be unwilling to heal him as he touched that leper and he replied, I am willing, be thou clean. Hey, Jesus was not like those rabbis that avoided this leper and they would run from the sight of him. Jesus physically reached out with care and he proved that he was willing to save this leper despite who he was and what he was diseased with. And today, God is willing to save you from your sin no matter what is going on. As 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 tells us that he is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. He came to save the broken. He came to save the battered, the desperate, the needy, the rejected, the outcast, the sinners. He came to save all people. Matthew chapter 9, let's go there. Matthew chapter 9. Look at verse 10. Matthew chapter 9 verse 10. It says, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat in meat, at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye. And learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous. But sinners to repentance. Hey listen this is awesome. In other words what Jesus was saying here. He's, he's saying hey I did not come for people. That think that everything is fine. I did not come for people. That want to continue on with their religious farce. Like you Pharisees. He was saying, I'm not here for those that think of themselves to be something awesome or they think of themselves to be something great. I came for those that know they're nothing. I came here for those that know that they are sick with sin because I can make them whole. These Pharisees, they could really be compared to a man or a woman with cancer that's been diagnosed. 
with it and, and offered treatment, but they think that they're fine and they don't believe that they have cancer. Tell me, what, what good could a doctor do with a patient like that? Nothing. They, 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 they thought, these Pharisees, they thought they were pure and they convinced themselves of a lie. But for the one that knows how wicked that they are and the one that agrees with God that they are standing as a condemned sinner before a holy God, he can be healed regardless of what sins they have done. I love what Charles Spurgeon said when he said, there may be some sins of which a man cannot speak, but there is no sin of which the blood of Christ cannot wash away. Hey, listen, he can wipe your sins away. He can... Wipe your slate completely clean. But listen, like this leper, you must come to him. This leper, he made a very wise choice when he came to Jesus. As his words and his touch of compassion would bring instant and complete healing. Let's go look at that in Mark chapter 1 again. Mark chapter 1 verse 42. Look at verse 42. It says... And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. This miracle is absolutely incredible, especially when you consider the severity of this leper's state. And in this miracle, and really every miracle that Jesus did, there was instant and complete healing. There's, there's no long and painful surgery, Tom, right? Poor Tom had to go through a long surgery with his leg. There was no long and painful surgery. There was no extended treatments. There was no long-term therapy. There was no exercise and diet. There was no medication that had to be taken three times a day for who knows how long. This was instant cleansing, instant curing, uh, in instant life, in instant forgiveness of sin. It was instant and it was complete. And it tells us in in verse 42 that the leprosy, it departed. And that simply means that it went off of him. It was completely gone. And this departing, it signifies a separation. He was completely separated from his leprosy. Consider for a moment what the separation of this, this leprosy from this man's body meant. Remember when he was afflicted with this leprosy, he was forced To live separately from society and from his family. But when Christ separated that disease from his body, he was no longer needing to be separated from society and his family. And again, it's another beautiful picture of salvation. As Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 says, Your iniquities have separated you from God. And while we're in sin, we're separated from the Holy God, we're bound for eternal death, but when we trust in Christ for salvation, then Christ separates sin from us, and then we're brought into union with God. It's awesome. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Listen, we can have cleansing. We can be healed of our sin. We can be made whole. We can have our lives changed. We don't have to live as slaves to sin. We don't have to be burdened with the shame and the regret of sin. We don't have to face the wrath of God. We can be freed and cleansed just like this leper in Mark chapter 1. We need to understand this will only happen if we go about it God's way. This cleansing and redemption, it does not come about 
by doing things how I see fit. You understand, I don't get to choose the path of redemption. I don't get to choose the, the path of cleansing. Only God can do that. God chooses how we can be reconciled unto Him. And He has chosen how we can be reconciled to Him. And this truth, it reminds me of another leper whose life was changed in 2 Kings chapter 5, a man named Naaman. Let's go there. 2 Kings chapter 5. Look at 2 Kings chapter 5. And look at verse 1. It says in 2 Kings chapter 5, starting with verse 1, it says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He also was a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her, Mistress, would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go, to go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, and 6,000 pieces of gold, and 10 chains of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive, that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent unto the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. So we he, listen, listen here. We see Naaman, a leper, desperate to be healed comes to the door of the prophet Elijah who can bring healing from God to him and he's knocking on the door. Look at what verse 10 says. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. So God told Elisha to tell this man, Go in the river Jordan and, and dip yourself in that river Jordan seven times and then you're going to be clean from your leprosy. And look what verse 11 says. But Naaman was wroth, he was angry, and went away, and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place, and recover the leper. And in this we see pride. But then look at verse 12. Are not Abana and Parfur rivers of Damascus better than all the rivers of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away, All right, so he turned and went away in a rage. We see here that Naaman, he thought that God's way of being cleansed from leprosy in this instance was foolishness. Why would I go into a, a gross-looking river, a dirty river like Jordan? Why, why couldn't I go to a river in Damascus that's cleaner and that's better? He figured that if he was going to go down in a river, it would make more sense to go in, in a river that was better to get cleansing from. And, and what do we see in this? We see that he thought he had a better way than God. And he was angry 
at God's way. And Naaman was truly like many that are in need of spiritual cleansing today. They, they are plagued with the, the, the leprosy of the soul. They find God's way foolish. We know that the Bible tells us that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. They think there must be a better, more attractive way. And that's why so many look for other ways to God instead of trusting in Christ, which is the way that God has ordained. Many men try to come to him through confession, through good works, through praying to the dead, through religious rituals or some other means. But God said in Acts, I believe it's chapter 4, he said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So listen, let God be true and every man a liar. It's not by works, it's by grace. You must go about this God's way or else you will remain lost. And Naaman would find this to be true with his leprosy. When he did things God's way, his life changed. Look at verse 13 of 2 Kings chapter 5. And the servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather than... When he saith to thee, wash and be thou clean. Basically saying, you got nothing to lose. Just do what the guy says. Do what God wants. Look at verse 14. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And what's it say? And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. He obeyed God, and he was cleansed of his leprosy. And today, as you sit here this morning, if you're lost in sin, I urge you and I beg you to, to obey God. Trust in Christ and be cleansed. Allow Christ to change your life. And if your life has been changed, if you're here today and you are saved, then I challenge you to live like it's true. If Christ has changed your life, be vocal about it. Boldly proclaim it to the world that is bound by their sin. Let's go back to our text one more time. Mark chapter 1. Look at verse 43. Mark chapter 1 verse 43. It says in verse 43, And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and saith unto him, See thou, say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. We see here that after Jesus, after he healed this man, it says that he straightly charged him. It means that he warned him with a powerful emotion. Do not tell anybody. And this was something that Jesus often did because of the publicity that would follow. It would hinder him from effectively ministering. And it did. And we'll see that in verse 45. But just consider... This healing of somebody from leprosy, it really was the equivalent of raising somebody from the dead. Uh, so you can imagine the effect that it would have on people. And Jesus tells them, go to the priest and get acceptance of an offering in the temple because this would affirm that you were really clean. And he would officially be declared clean and be accepted back into society. But what did he do? He told everybody. His life dramatically changed and it moved him to tell everybody he saw. Look at verse 45. It says, but he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad 
the matter. That word publish there, it means to make a public proclamation. It's a continuous thing. He continued to proclaim what Jesus did for him. And it says that it, he blazed it abroad. Just think of a fire that was spreading uncontrollably. He told everybody. He had a, a new life and he had cleansing and it drove him to proclaim it to anybody that would listen. This was a common act, by the way, of those whose lives were changed by Christ. I think of the demon-possessed man in Mark chapter 5 when it says that he departed and he began to publish how great things Jesus had done for him. I think of the woman at the well in John chapter 4 when it tells us that, he, that she went her way into the city and told men of Christ. This leper in Mark chapter 1 got complete restoration and he got complete health back and he could not help but tell. Just again, imagine being this leper. Imagine, if you will, if he was missing fingers and toes, they were all restored. They came back. His face would no longer be distorted. His feeling in his body came back. His voice would no longer sound hoarse. It would sound normal. His sores and his ulcers would be gone. He had complete healing. And by the way, before, he had to hang out with lepers. But now that he was clean, he wasn't going to hang around them anymore. He, he was like, see ya. I'm done with you guys. It's a great picture of what salvation does for a believer. You don't want to be around people like that anymore. You don't want to be a part of them. You, you, you'll want to be around them and tell them of Christ and tell them how Christ has changed your life. But you're not going to do the same things that they do. You're not going to live like you used to. He would no longer be around the lepers and he would no longer live like one either. His life had completely changed. So, so again, think about this. How could this leper not speak of this? <laughs> and as Christians, as you are in Christ, I want you to know this morning, the black stain of sin has been removed from your soul. The chains of bondage have been broken. You're no longer dead. You're alive in Christ. You're no longer separated from God, but you're in sweet fellowship with Him. You're no longer defiled, but you're made clean. You're no longer guilty, but justified. You're no longer an outcast. You're part of the family of God. You're no more uh, an enemy of God, but a friend. Jesus has changed your life. So how could we not tell others of this? We have such a great salvation, and therefore we ought to take every opportunity to use every resource that we have to blaze the gospel abroad. I love the, the mindset of Charles Spurgeon, I've quoted this before, but I think it really speaks to what uh, we're talking about this morning. He said this, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. May that be our mindset. We have the greatest gift that anybody could ever possess. So why wouldn't we proclaim it boldly to this lost and dying world? If we see it as wonderful as it truly is, if we understand how life-changing it is, we will be moved to tell others because it truly is good news. And while this man, this leper, in Mark 1 was commanded by Jesus not to tell about his life-changing event, understand this morning, we are commanded to tell others about our life-changing event. Mark chapter 15, or 16, verse 15, Jesus said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Warren Worsby said, Jesus told this man to be quiet, and he told everybody. 
And today, Jesus tells us to tell everybody, and we keep quiet. And listen, it's time for that to stop. Has Jesus changed your life? If that's the case, then tell others. We have so many tools, so many resources. We got tracks in the back or in the entryway. Hand tracks to somebody, has a gospel on it, invite them to church. Tell them your testimony. Your personal testimony, how you got saved, very powerful. It can help. The gospel is powerful, and we have no need to be ashamed of it. So commit today to being gospel-minded and telling other people about this life-changing Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit of God for boldness and wisdom as you witness in your workplace, at the grocery store, in your street, your neighbors, your community. Look, they are full of people that are spiritually dead and you have the words of life. So don't keep it to yourself. And if you're here today and you're, you're lost, I want you to remember no matter how sin-ridden you feel that you are, come to Christ and be forgiven. Stephen Lawson said that salvation is not a reward for the righteous, but a gift for the guilty. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning.